Welcome to the Wrestling Headlines WWE Raw Review. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are live here on YouTube and also available in podcast form later on. The link's in the description or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net for all your latest wrestling news. And it's my first Raw Review of the year, having taken three weeks off over Christmas, New Year's and Wrestle Kingdom. I say taking time off, I mean specifically from Raw last week. <laughs> A very busy week for Imp, where I was guesting on stuff because of end of year, uh, kind of recaps, there was... Both nights of Wrestle Kingdom, there was NXT's New Year thing, uh, the Kingdom of Honor guys covering AEW and talking New Japan as well. Uh, we've had, yeah, it's <laughs> busy week for him, and we've had all the stuff covered, but it's coming down now in terms of the output for WWE focusing, I mean, the wrestling world really, uh, New Japan for Wrestling pro, uh, building up to their new beginning show, WWE building up to the Royal Rumble uh, and AEW uh, hyping up the second week of their New Year's Dash, what's it called? No, New Year's Dash, the uh, New, New Year's Smash. <laughs> that was it. So many rhyming stuff to remember. Uh, but yeah, so. And I also, I don't know if you were able to hear my voice. I overdid it on Twitch earlier today. <laughs> Just to explain it, uh, why my voice feels a bit raspy. And I've got a cup of tea that I will have to stop to drink. Uh, I'm playing a video game called Yakuza Zero, and I've, there's lots of different characters who don't where a lot of it isn't voice, so I've been reading it out loud where, with, during the Twitch, and I've given like every individual character a different voice. And fair to say, I gave it, I gave it my all. But it does mean when I come to do the <laughs> WWE Raw review that maybe it's a bit wiser to hold it back. It's gone a little bit raspy. I'm not quite Eric Young, forty years of smoking yet, <laughs> but definitely feel a bit raspy today. Mm. So if you want to know why my voice is. Uh, I feel it going quickly. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, my first Raw review of the year. Uh, three weeks off, I feel like I'm all refreshed going in for it. Biggest thing is I didn't watch the Legend show. I saw quite a lot of... I mean, I, did, I didn't see that it was, like, awful from a kind of structure overall in terms of if you're judging it as a show. It wasn't a complete failure of, God, I can't make it through this type of show. For me, a bad Raw is a real struggle to get through. It doesn't mean that you don't get much value out of the segment. It's mean, no, it's genuinely a pain to get through <laughs> compared to what I've seen from Legends where it's just not really much from the Legends stuff. Like, you say they, the appearances, they're just appearing backstage. Then there was a final segment and Bill Goldberg comes out and it's just like, ugh. But um, for me, it's kind of like to temper it. My worst show of the year was like during the summer at one point. I think they'd moved into the Thunderdome and I counted, it's when Raw Underground was on and it was just like loads of really quick, it's one of those episodes where it's loads of really quick segments. It was kind of like, I got the impression they were trying to, like for a week to try out what they used to do, I guess, in the Attitude Era, which is more shorter, quicker segments, essentially. Uh, you don't get as much of the wrestling to flesh out. But over a three hour period, it just drained me. <laughs> and I, and it was, I was like, God, there's been like 12, 13 segments on this show. That is way too much. <laughs> I... I was losing interest rapidly. For me, that's a bad show where, where I've had to pause it and come back to watch it because it's just drained me so much, and me mentally or what have you. Uh, so I wouldn't call what I saw. For, so I didn't watch it, but what I got from Raw Legends was uh, it wasn't like it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it does have a feeling of a show, even if it's kind of like, come on, have you got nothing else to? kind of pop up rating. I mean it's to please the network and then they pop on with their life really <laughs> if anything it's not meant to please me uh, plus I watched Wrestle Kingdom instead I had a lovely time but both of those reviews are up here on the channel <laughs> you can come and watch them listen to them whatever anyway but this was a hell of a time to return day before uh, day before on Monday we got the news that the WWE champion has tested positive for COVID uh, so my return off to a great start, but that's like the surface of it. Both Raw and SmackDown apparently will be affected. It's not just that this one guy's got it. Of course, the worrying thing is Raw Legends was last week, Drew McIntyre. Multiple people on the, in WWE were interacting with that older generation. And now one of them tested positive for COVID. Uh, it's, it's, again, it's why you don't do it. Uh, obviously, I live in the UK and we've had the spread of our new... Uh, I forgot what the word is, but a new alteration, that's not the right word, 
of the virus and it spreads so much easier like it's in terms of the, your chance of getting it it's increased so much with this new variant that's what i'm looking for that that everything is like doubly as double as dangerous as it was beforehand i think it's a shy of double but point being it's a lot because <laughs> today just that's enough as it is and to then watch wwe knowing in my country we're talking about harsher lockdowns like we're in lockdown but how can we make lockdown harsher that's the talks we're having and then i watch wwe and they've got a they do the legends night where they've got a load of older wrestlers all sitting on the stage next to each other uh you then they're doing the wrestling wwe uk is the only wrestling that's happened in reaching reaching a year or to say there there was a like one or two special shows throughout the spring at some point maybe early spring april maybe at the latest maybe even march but it's been a long time, and to sit to watch, it's it's like it's a different world. <laughs> it's really weird for me to watch it go. It's like it, it's like it doesn't exist almost, um, and that's kind of like the road WWE have taken, which is what I saw. Some people are like, why are you saying that AW do this all, all the time? It's like, yeah, but that's how AW have treated it from day one. The reason Drew McIntyre's announcement stands out is because that's not how WWE have been handling it. It's more hush-hush behind closed doors type of thing. Like, if AJ Styles hadn't blurted it out on his live stream, would you have known he had COVID? Like, that's he got revealed on his Twitch randomly as he was just chatting to people. Compared to, like, this, or what we've seen from AW, it's been, like, big announcements of it. Um, you've known if they've had it. They've been pretty open about it. Uh, not everyone's making it massively publicly, but they're not hidden it either. Compared to WWE, where it was, like, for a time, he got uh, apparently was getting in trouble for revealing it. Like uh, Renee Young getting in trouble for outwardly saying, "Well, I've got COVID." Uh, but yes, it's such a different world to look into, and to say there's been another outbreak. Apparently, this one will also impact just across the board. Uh, the words I saw were to do just something to do with the holiday. So AW will be impacted. Apparently, impact will as well. Uh, my main thing is, in terms of evaluating this show, because this is the reason we're going into this is because in terms of my overall feelings of this show. The, the current era and COVID still being a thing, you know, it's months later, we've seen months of uh, COVID impacted shows with WWE. I judge them all differently from my show where like there's not really been anything massive that's had quality to massively change. However, in this COVID world, we're getting shows where suddenly something's going to have to be massively changed. And part of, partly here, the WWE champion tested positive. Therefore, he can't be at the show for this week or the next. And of course, you're assuming he doesn't test positive next the week after either. And like, is he definitely going to even beat up the Rumble? They've made the fancy cartoon graphic. He has to be. No, that's not. Like, it isn't guaranteed he'll definitely be over it by then. That's just the window most people. Do. And because he's not uh, asymptomatic, so because because he is asymptomatic, sorry, uh, the chances of him returning in that period seem relatively high. But some people have it for months. That's just it. There isn't a set thing of, oh, you'll be fine after this period. Like, that's all over the place. The most likely is the two-week period, but there is always that chance. Uh, there, there are people all over who've had it for a really long time. Because like, like, there's different terms for it, for like long COVID, short COVID, whatever. Uh, obviously, the most you hear about are the short-term ones. The people in sports specifically seem to be catching... You hear news of like, people in sports catching COVID then coming back within a couple of weeks or so. So uh, you'd assume no different, but again, those things are out there. Uh, it's not something to be messed with, and this new variant is even worse. So I'm amazed that football hasn't shut down in my country. I think I said that in the NXT review. So when I look at Raw, and I see they've had to shift the show about, and I see, oh, the sh uh, reviews of it always wasn't that good. It felt like they were wasting time. And I'm just like, yeah, well, yeah, they suddenly had to fill loads of time. And this isn't, it's not just Drew is the kind of takeaway here. He's the big one that they announced. He's the big one who got the kind of message on the TV box. But my, loads of people will be missing from both Raw and SmackDown and AEW, and as I said as well, Impact as well, especially on this week of TV. Like loads will, this has impacted both companies, both shows within WWE, uh, and it's for me. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to be too harsh on these shows. For me, the fact we're getting them, because that's the point I was making with for someone from the UK. The fact we're even getting wrestling at all, for me. It's really mind-boggling, <laughs> as in, no way in hell should wrestling be allowed to happen. However, the fact it is means when these circumstances pop up and they happen, of course they do. I'm, I'm not going to be too harsh when they've had to rearrange the show about. Like, the fact we're even getting it is, like, <laughs> I, won't say, I won't say 
feel massively lucky that we are getting it uh, because of you know the stories of how that actually happened. Cough, cough, a bit of bribery, but it's it is happening. So I can't be too on a review like this. I personally feel they did a really good job in a situation where they suddenly had all this time to fill and create something with. And I generally feel like they did a decent job. Was this the planned ending all along? If it was, okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's an odd one. A really odd ending, especially if you're hyping up Drew versus Vandy again. It's all about giving that uh, momentum to Drew going into the Rumble. No idea how you transition from Drew Vandy Orton into that. But Triple H Orton, it worked. It's, it's an odd one. But overall, we got what we got, and it was a decent roar, I think I'd say. When you're watching it, you're like, right, this feel just this does feel a bit like filler. But because you know exactly why, and totally understanding of the circumstance, it's like, you know what, genuinely, the fact this show isn't cancelled because there has been an outbreak, which is the other part of this. In my, in, um, I'm making a massive jump, but in my country, for example, the football, when a club has had an outbreak, their matches have been cancelled. Uh, yes, of course, they're going to play a different team, so you're putting the other team's players at risk as well, whilst this would be essentially uh, cancelling all uh, all sessions between yourself. I don't know. I don't really know how to... <laughs> it's like if you went to the match of football and you were playing like five versus five from your own team. So it's from the same WWE team. It's the massive tangent I'm going on. <laughs> but to rein it back, um, the point being the match was cancelled when there was an outbreak. There's been an outbreak in WWE again, and... The show's going on. It's not been cancelled or anything. And I just kind of... It's a case in point. There has been an outbreak. It is not safe, yet they're going on anyway. Uh, people will all be tested and what, what, but kind of a uh, key point, really, to make is whenever they're using the test of the be-all and end-all, but it is like a 50-50% chance that it will show up positive. It will, no, 50-50 chance that it will tell you whether you have had COVID or not. It doesn't tell you that you don't have it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so it's not bad. It's not. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's better than nothing, but it's not the be-all and end-all. So even in this situation, when there's been an outbreak, it's it would not be safe to wrestle. <laughs> the entire time is not been safe to wrestle. Uh, but point being, I'm not going to judge the show too harshly. Probably because of the situation we're in, the fact we're getting wrestling, I consider us like as wrestling fans extremely lucky that wrestling has even continued. Uh, it has not. For me, it's. If you're going by their health and the science of what wrestling should have stopped, just like it did over in the UK, it should have stopped. And there's people who cover it and everything. Extremely lucky that it's not died off. Like The amount of sites would be in trouble. Like, what news would we have? <laughs> like, what would I be doing at the, on a Tuesday or a Thursday with NXT? It wouldn't be anything. It would be, would, there would be no content for us to cover. Uh, so, like over in the UK, like before WWE UK kicked back off again, there was no wrestling. And since it has, there is no other wrestling. So we consider ourselves like... Very fortunate <laughs> he's not died off. Uh, the ecosystem around wrestling has been able to continue through this crappy time. But that doesn't mean uh, I'm super positive about it. <laughs> anyway, uh, watch this. I think it shouldn't be. I'm, I'm probably not on too much. I need to get to like what happened. Fire! Jesus Christ! <laughs> That's a fire one of these. But this, this show is massively impacted by COVID-19. We'll, we'll apparently, we'll see the effect on SmackDown as well, uh, be it with AW2. So I'm not just talking... Because WWE have had the most outbreaks. It's happened quite a few times. Like, when are you, when are you taking this seriously type of thing? Uh, this show included loads of, like, uh, keep safe, social distance type of thing. Messages from Drew McIntyre, which was well delivered. Before you watch wrestling, which obviously is none of those things. <laughs> Even if you get tested and uh, you can say that to uh, the media, I guess. Anyway, football's the same over here. I'm personally on the side of it's not safe, but I don't know how far the variant has spread in America. Uh, over in the UK, it's like lock-up shop kind of time. <laughs> As in uh, the plague's coming, hide from the rats. <laughs> it's time for, like, bury, yeah, lock the hatches type of time. Um, I don't know what it's like in America, but I do know. I've always felt when I've watched WWE, yeah, some people want to escape from it. Personally, I really like how AEW have done it, where you get your escape, but like they don't pretend it doesn't exist. And I feel like when I watch WWE, sometimes I just feel like it's like it's not even a thing. Like mainly, might get that when I watch them being pally and everything and patting each other on the shoulder and all that. It's like, I mean, like technically, you're doing wrestling, 
you're already not following the rules, so who gives a crap, really? <laughs> but, like, yeah, you're, like, you're already doing wrestling, so you're already putting yourself in harm's way uh, in terms of COVID. So, yeah, just go for it. Just hug you under the backstage. Who gives a crap? <laughs> but when I'm watching it, I still get the reaction. Because uh, it's like when I watch an old sitcom and people, like, they're in a packed pub and everyone's, like, patting each other on the shoulder, like, hey, what pal, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, those famous sitcoms. <laughs> but with um, with wrestling, when they're doing the same thing, it's like, but that's now... The reaction I get was, oh, look at all those people being in close proximity and uh, uh, touching people that they don't live with. Isn't that weird? It's like, but I watch WWE and that's happening right now. And I get that same feeling. Anyway, I need to, like, divvy off so onto the actual topic. So let's take a sip of the New Day tea. Mm. Oh, suits the throat. Anyway, the main event was Triple H versus Randy Orton. Let's get into the fire. <laughs> it's what you're here for. <laughs> the fire. Dun-dun-dun. Out of control. Dun-dun-dun. Dun dun fire, uh, Randy with the, hopefully people know that song. Randy with the heel stallings before we got our full our fill of punches in the match itself uh, descended into a quick old a brawly brawl. Oh, wait, not said the match. Triple H versus Randy Orton in the main event. We lost Drew. We got the replacement. Uh, it descended into a quick old brawly brawl within record time. Uh, I did see on the timestamp. I think when we started because again you live in the UK. I can see when the episode set to end. Uh, there's normally a bit of adverse afterwards, but I was like. It's really not long left. Like, it's going to be like five, six minutes left of this show when you're starting. As in, oh, something's going to happen. And uh, yeah, quick old body brawl within record time. Orton into the steel steps. His fight back countered and Orton onto the announced table as well. Uh, Triple H finding his sledgehammer as he slowly made his way into the ring. Orton had something in his hand. I don't know if it was the turnbuckle or what. Uh, as he... As he yeah, very, very slowly... Triple H came back into the ring, but the lights, very, very slowly as well, turned down for The Fiend, like, do, and then Triple H would continue a bit more, so I guess I'll keep focusing on Orton, and then I keep going, and then do, would go down, and it did a close-up of Triple H reacting to the lights going down again, when Triple H then lifted his sledgehammer before the lights fully went out to find out it was a flame at the head. Uh, I popped for that, I'm <laughs> going to be honest. Um... I've seen that Alexa Bliss appeared and did something, so I got spoiled. It's a thing of living in the UK. I'll go and I'll check messages, and now and then I'll accidentally see a spoiler. It happens, unfortunately. But no idea that was going to happen. <laughs> I immediately like that. That was a cool spot. <laughs> I, really, I really took that. Yeah, lifting the sledgehammer, seeing that it was a flame at the head of it, before the spotlight, spotlight back on the ring with a pinkish tinge, as like a warped version of the Funhouse theme played, and Triple H had vanished. It had gone fully black after the sledgehammer. Then when it came up with that purplish, pinkish tinge, it was the Funhouse theme playing all warped. And Alexa Bliss was in the corner, staring right at Orton before, that's right, having some form of device in her hand that fired a fireball into Randy Orton's face. And we go off air with Randy like, ah, ah, my face. <laughs> Arring with his hand over his face. Um, well, I can say at least I, I didn't expect that. <laughs> Uh, 100%, if uh, people, if you've not been enjoying the Firefly Funhouse or The Fiend their stuff that's been ending Raw recently, uh, this will do nothing to change your mind. <laughs> As in, if this is the kind of stuff that you use to then go at WWE with, like, what are you doing? Uh, this won't do anything to change your mind. Uh, personally, it's WWE shenanigans, nonsense with their spooky character. Uh, it's different, gets people talking. Uh, it, it's, I guess, it's slowly getting back at Orton with something. It's Alexa being the aggressor via the Fiend. Like, each time making sure that you're aware that it's the Fiend doing this. and But it's through Alexa rather than through Bray. It's, it's I won't call it divisive, that's not quite right. Because it's people who love this, absolutely love this. We found that out with the end of year wars with Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, making it onto, like, the top five, top three, if I might top three wrestlers of the year like he generally got votes like people who love the fiend really do love the fiend and they are into this stuff people who don't but people who aren't into it really aren't into it <laughs> really don't get it and when i say don't get it i mean uh, i don't mean that in a god he's just not getting it guy i just mean it doesn't appeal to them at all and i'm some things i like when i like the stuff the fiend does i really like it but i've not really dug the I guess recent stuff, and I think I've seen it when I was going into TLC. I wasn't really a massive fan of what they're doing going into TLC, uh, but I was like, we've seen the Magic Max, I might be able to do something with it. 
and they blew everything out of the water <laughs> for me, uh, which uh, I thought, yeah, set a man on fire. Use the cinematic stuff to like really go for it, uh, and they did. Like yeah, blew blew all of my expectations out of the water. Like I massively high on that as a cinematic match, not as a like match you give stars to. There's a reason they do stars, <laughs> but yeah. The stuff, the stuff since, which has been keeping the feud going, I just found it a little bit weird. Uh, not massively into it. Uh, and this is another one where it's like, continuing themed things, but it's just going off air after an odd happening. Like, the last note you're left with is just odd. It's weird. Uh, it's a, meant to be like a surprise thing that happens. Uh, yeah, there's another one. Alexa Bliss, fine, fine. I didn't expect it. <laughs> At least I can say that. It went off air with something totally unexpected. At least it can. At least there's that. It doesn't mean I was into it or gonna be a massive fan of it. I just found it a bit strange. Randy Orton's in the Royal Rumble match. Uh, the Fiend is still nowhere to be seen, and his storyline revolves around this. Uh, assuming that the Fiend will show up at, uh, at uh, Royal Rumble and eliminate him, maybe doesn't mean the Fiend is in the match. Just like often in WWE, uh, someone you're feuding with will appear and throw you out. Like the McMahon's eliminating Shawn Michaels in 2006, uh, and says me. Totally the nerd and uh, lucky that I happened to have watched that Royal Rumble the other day. <laughs> not because I don't. My memory's not that good. Like I don't remember. I don't have all this facts stored in my head. I'm not Chris Charlton, <laughs> other than nerdy. I can't remember that stuff in one ear out the other. Uh, I've forgotten Samoa Joe's name as I've been talking about him. That's the bar you're working with here. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah. Um, some people are really really high on the Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, like weird spooky shenanigans. Others are like, stop this crap now. Uh, me, I float about in the middle, <laughs> we had to say. You see, like, for each note, I kind of uh, have a different reaction almost. This one, I was like, that was weird. Didn't expect it. That was weird. <laughs> so, I'm like, when I'm t thinking about it, I'm bouncing between those two spectrums, so... I don't know what I think. Uh, it, yeah, it may surprised me, because I wasn't expecting it. But it did, uh, I don't know if I like it. <laughs> it's, I don't know if I like the current arc that they've been going. Uh, it feels a little bit off. If that makes sense, yeah. I think, I think part of it is uh, it's one of those segments where the scriptness of WWE really jumps out and supernatural stuff just feels a bit off. Whilst, again, I see just the amount of praise. It's, it's clearly working for people. <laughs> so, like with Orange Cassidy, where um, for some it really, really worked and for others it was just like, I just don't get him. I just don't get Orange Cassidy at all. Yet, in our end-of-year awards, he wins Food of the Year for AEW. The Orange Cassidy, Chris Jericho stuff. So, when it works, go with it. Even if there's like, even if it's a lot, relatively large section of the card, don't aren't really behind it. Like, like with it, like with Orange Cassidy stuff, it's clearly working. There are a massive segment of the fans who are clearly into it. Just go for it. Yeah, don't, you don't like. It's, it's not going to be for everyone. But if you kind of hit that same vein, keep at it. It's, it appears to be working to some people. <laughs> I just don't know. I'm not in that bracket that despises it, but I am in that bracket where I like some stuff. I don't like other bits. Yeah, I've, I've said the same point way too much. Anyway, the I'll go through the show in order. Starting off with the meeting of Randy Orton and Triple H. Would have made sense to start with that, actually, before going into the main event, but sod it. Uh, we kicked off with a recap of Randy having quick wah-wahs with the Legends last week. Uh, seeing what Raw Legends show was like. Like, man, am I glad I watched Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> man, am I glad that those uh, Tokyo Dome shows fell on the days it did. Uh, those shows, uh, the Raw Legends type stuff, I said earlier, it's not designed for me anyway. Uh, but uh, I'm rather glad I didn't have to cover it. Instead, oh no, I've got to cover two nights of Wrestle Kingdom. Oh no. <laughs> Again, New Japan Pro Wrestling is my number one. And so uh, when I watch Monday Night Raw and I'm reviewing this or I'm reviewing NXT, I feel like I'm able to detach. Because I've not got my, my world where I get invested superly in the characters is New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm really nerdy about them. <laughs> I'll really get into that. I'll fanboy about it. I won't even hide the love for Jay White right now. But with uh, WWE type stuff, I I feel like because I've got that investment, I know that at any moment I could just... My investment, I can just walk away. If I wasn't doing this, I'd be able to just walk away and go to New Japan. I'd still have wrestling in my life. Um, I wouldn't just... I'll be walking away from wrestling. It'll be like this company that I'm just not able to get into. I've got AEW. I've got New Japan. I'd be full. I'd be fine. But with... Uh, but it helps me kind of like get through the show because I know I can I, f I don't get invested. I feel like I'm on the outside looking in. <laughs> it's weird. Maybe that's maybe that's just because I'm from the UK that and that's always been there. And I haven't realised it before. I'm doing these writing copious amounts of notes. Uh, but anyway, 
So, uh, Triple H comes out, gets his whole grand entrance, but before he can really get his words out, Randall Orton popped on out and tried to go the fella into a match. Uh, it didn't work at first, but Wrestling 101 claimed the wife wears the trousers in the relationship and her man goes all grumpy grump and you 100% have your match now, or title opportunity, whatever you want. Like, who needs to win the Rumble? Just go that route. It works every single time. That said, this is a last-minute replacement on the day, needed something. I'm not going to criticise the, they went 101. I'm not really going to criticise that. It's like, yeah, it's, they needed something. It was fine. They tried the unique route of Triple H not, like, not accepting there and then, and then he did so later in the show. Uh, but Triple H, the moment Triple H... Tom Phillips told us that Triple H had not accepted. Like the moment, like as soon as it's finished, like just so you know, he didn't accept. It's like, well, the fact that's been hammered home means we're getting that promo later where Triple H accepts and Randy Orton then post has his little like, oh, I'm going to beat you up anyway, <laughs> and then you have the fight later. So yeah, uh, it was a fine replacement. It didn't do anything for me. <laughs> I'll be honest. I completely zoned out of both of their uh, promos. I think part of it was that I knew this was like a last minute replacement and the on this show trying to build interest but then after this show might not matter but then I got to the main event it's like oh maybe oh maybe there might be something a bit more to it involving Triple H now but when I was watching the show at the time I was like you're going to have the match we're going to move on that was my assumption and they did something different with the ending so who knows now (laughs) where's Triple H gone what's happened to him Uh, was was the purple light more to show that we've just entered the fiend world a little bit or uh, did he just vanish I mean the Undertaker did that all the time where people just disappear when they're no longer relevant in it so yeah, uh, not going to complain too much. Uh, Charlotte Flair in Gorilla, uh, she says she's packed, th- packed things up with her pa. And she's going out there to teach a lesson to the classless lady. Um, also, uh, after taking three weeks off in terms of like Charlotte Flair, for me, uh, taking three weeks off, Christmas, New Year's, Vessel Kingdom, I've only seen Charlotte on the one Raw since her return. So her being back in the show is still all fresh for me. It's like, ah. Oh, Charlotte Flair, oh, she's awesome. I really highly rate Charlotte Flair. Uh, it's it's not it's one of the things where, um, writing for a site, I sort of saw the amount of comments of people like going out on at her, but almost personally sometimes, uh, or digging at her as a wrestler. When I'd always looked at her, so it's not her fault. The booking's just a bit crap. <laughs> like she, as a talent, is amazing. Personally, I rate her so highly. Like, there's a reason she is pushed as strongly as she is. Anyway, uh, it's not her as a talent that the people like writing her lines for her and doing all this um, it's not the best in the world so when she returns like yes an amazing talent has returned I wonder what they're going to do with her I don't have the highest hopes but apparently part of her returning this time was to actually have a plan for her after she got as pissed off as the rest of us <laughs> with her NXT run uh, so that's good to see yeah, well, well I say good to see we'll see won't we if it is good uh, after Flair's entrance Lacey got her own gorilla interview uh, she dedicates her match to Ric Flair in uniquely flirtatious fashion. Uh, fair to say it had the desired effect of riling Charlotte up a tad. Uh, but, you know, when we get to the match, you'll see that just destroyed her. And before the bell rings, this is when commentary led us into Drew McIntyre's video explaining his absence due to testing positive for COVID and his well-delivered message about staying safe. Just a little bit broken down by then featuring wrestling during a pandemic. (laughs) Keep your mask on, stay social distanced. Right, here's two people basically hugging. (laughs) It's just like, right, okay. Anyway, the match itself, uh, a decent match between Charlotte Flair and Lacey Evans, uh, personally. Uh, I I was fine with the in-ring story they told. Doesn't mean I'm I'm totally behind the Ric Flair, uh, Lacey Evans story they've got going on. Uh, WWE tried this quite a lot. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's, I've never been into these kinds of stories um, where yeah it's done this with Ric Flair before I swear with her as the dad him where one of the other wrestlers using him being all whole, old and horny <laughs> to uh, kind of use him as a distraction to benefit them I swear somebody's done it like within these past years I can't remember who it is anyway but I like the story in the ring of like Flair the veteran general like in control of it uh, wearing Lacey down from minute one. The devious tactics needed for Evans to survive. And woo, Ric Flair's out here to cause havoc. <laughs> Speaking of those tactics. Uh, the old man thinking with the wrong head again. Uh, Flair was a tad off as soon as her par worked out. With him walking out mid-match, giving Lacey the space to get into the match. Uh, the last was this, was still in control. But Evans started getting in the odd fight back. And this is what led to the ending. 
with uh, Charlotte going... Charlotte was uh, winning once again after a little ringside kerfuffle didn't actually lead to anything. She nails the natural selection on Lacey. However, after that, it's right at the ring ropes and you're like, right, we know exactly where this is going. Natural selection, right at the ring ropes, right by Ric Flair. And obviously he puts the foot onto the ropes and that that is then spotted by the referee. I just remember that wasn't the ending. <laughs> spotted by the referee, and then Charlotte goes angrily, then goes to follow up again. But Ric Flair grabs her foot on the ropes for the second week in a row, and Lacey Evans falls on top and scores the pin before Lacey then escapes the ring and like hugs Ric Flair, you know, like thank you, babe, <laughs> kind of way. Uh, and Ric Flair's like, ooh, yeah, female. <laughs> so yeah, horny old man. Yeah, the winner of the 2021 Jim Ross Horny Old Man Award. So far, it's going to Ric Flair. We've got a whole year to go. Let's, let's not say that Jim Ross isn't going to win it again. Like, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah. Uh, it was... I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of the arcs, as I said, but this is an arc WWE have ran many times before. Uh, they could tell it, you know, they could go a slightly different way, but my, uh, from what I know of WWE, my expectation is you could almost pick beat for beat what's going to happen with this one. That said... Match itself was fine. Was fine. I enjoyed the wrestling that they put on. I liked the story that they told uh, in the ring. But I, I don't know, like the actual, you know, then after the promos and stuff that we're going to be getting. It's like, oh, I, I fear next week. And stop bringing Ric Flair back. <laughs> For God's sake. <laughs> anyway, the pandemic's still a thing. You don't have to keep bringing him back. Uh, anyway, uh, Kayla was then in the interview ring with Keith Lee. Uh, can he get a word in before Seamus barges on in? Uh, praised the man for his performance last week, but can't exchange respect before Miz and Morrison arrived uh, this year. They're here to right the wrongs of 2020 uh, this week, starting with those two big lads. Not going to lie, uh, the OTT ta- antics of Miz and Morrison seemingly just trying to pop the boys. It made me laugh. <laughs> over-delivering every line they were doing. Uh, Morrison jumping in very, very quickly <laughs> as Miz like, literally just finished. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For me, their kind of their way of um, talking, nearly talking over each other, uh, the getting the like the jabs in so quickly. I, uh, I personally think it really works in some areas. Like with the backstage interview here, it really works. They're walking in there. It depends on the insult, really. Depends on the line that they're delivering. If it's oh, that's a bit WWE scripted crap, then it just dies flat for me. Uh, but when it's like this, where it's almost when I say almost banter, <laughs> it's obviously scripted banter, <laughs> but it's still. Uh, where they're trying so hard to get a reaction out of Keith or Seamus. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed watching that. And I didn't see either of them pop, so good on you, Keith and Seamus. Even it, or or Mike and Johnny, yeah, go back to join board. Have a good look this week. <laughs> you try popping them again. Uh, anyway, after this, we've got our first example of double duty in the... Uh, we've got three wrestlers wrestling two matches, like one after the other. And our first with Jeff Hardy, and I, uh, in seeing that, I saw a few reports of, well, why was this happening? Or was it really to fill time? And even if it was to fill time, yeah, like, suddenly out of nowhere, you got to shape this card up, and you know there's an outbreak. Like how, uh, Of course, as me on the outside, I don't know how deep it is through the roster. Ooh, as I knock my camera, <laughs> how deep it is through the roster. But it is um, it's obviously bad enough. Uh, but yes, uh, this match was billed and promoted as Elias versus Hardy. No, we- no fear, you will get it. Uh, but on his way out, Elias informed us he's damaged his thumb. So, oh no, so it's Jeff Hardy versus Jackson Biker instead. And like, how's he injured his thumb, you ask? Uh, look at the commentary, he's talking all about it. It's like, well, if you play guitar enough, you just, you know, ah, uh, yeah. It's like, ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel your pain, man. Like, if you just play guitar too much, you, you uh, have to put a bandage around your thumb for reasons <laughs> a very short match though uh, this first one with Elias standing up to distract within a minute and Riker rolling Jeff Hardy up for the sneaky win and then it was like Elias delivering his line well you see you the bell rings you see wrestling's happening Elias delivers his line then Elias gets up causes a distraction Riker rolls up and wins like it's almost, almost that quick a really really short match afterwards Jeff had none of it and was right on the mic calling out Elias Easily guessing in the musician's head with the uh, "your big lad's better than you" insult. Uh, Elias greeting, uh, no, Elias agreeing whilst winking at Riker, like totally don't interfere. Uh, uh, and yeah, we get our comedy a bit later. Match number two uh, we have for Jeff, like technically double duty. I saw it as multiple wrestlers with double duty uh, before I watched the show, and then watched it as like, but come on, like 
the first match was like a minute long. <laughs> like, is it really? Is it really like like massive double duty wrestlers having to wrestle like more than like two matches, multiple of them? It's like, yeah, but they weren't very long, <laughs> really. Uh, anyway, Jeff Hardy's second match of the night was immediately against Elias. Uh, so easy to get into his head. Uh, fair to say these lads are a bit familiar with each other. One of Raw's numerous never-ending mid-card feuds, and it's like, guys, I've been gone for three weeks, and they're still wrestling. <laughs> Has nothing shifted or moved on? At least he didn't have New Day versus The Hurt Business, but two members of The Hurt Business were missing. So, was that... What Did you plan to do New Day versus The Hurt Business? <laughs> like, I really hope not. I hope you've moved on, please. Uh, Elias with some smart counters, like yanking on your man's butt scarf <laughs> to get him down off that top rope. But in the end, Hardy's story played out. Uh, without Riker's help, Jeff was easily able to fight back and ground in Music Man for the Swanton Bomb win. And afterwards, Elias questioning, why was there no help? And Riker was like, well, you asked me not to. Now, this sitcom was brought to you by... <laughs> I did the British end of radio uh, sitcom thing. Is that as this in America? Where when your on radio comedy thing would end, it's like, this show was brought to you by the whatever band and James Mitchell, the producer, directed by. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing outside of this country. Anyway, sip of tea, I can feel my voice going. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm so desperate for that tea. <laughs> Forgot to you know, breathe and stuff. Just now get it down you. Anyway, uh, Seamus and Keith Lee versus The Miz and Morrison, following on for our promo earlier. Uh, really, this match, uh, big lads together having big lad fun, working together, they get the job done. Uh, some great spots painting these big, powerful lads as big and powerful. Uh, Lee launching the opponents over to the outside with ease, a little Roy Rumble thing there, uh, before Seamus tossed them right back in. And Keith Lee pouncing Morrison so hard into the corner that the turnbuckle popped off. <laughs> it, uh, as soon as I watched it, like, that popped off very, very easily. Uh, but the, it got the desired effect in the moment. It was fine. It caught you by surprise, as if my headphones fall off. It caught you by surprise, even if on, upon replay, you're like, right. You've kind of broken the spot here because you've shown us in slow motion how easily it came out. <laughs> but in the moment, got me a nice surprise. After the break, Miz and Morrison's tag team cheekiness reaped its rewards. Grounding Seamus before he eventually powered back with a mighty Irish curse counter for the hot tag. Keith Lee with a Cobb-esque tour for our baddies. The big hoss swatting the Joe away. Uh, but as he amped up for the finish, Seamus tagged himself in for the bro kick win. Keith Lee laughing all... Uh, he's laughing and all he's all pally. Uh, but come on, like, it's wrestling. Keith will remember that. <laughs> Notification in the corner. Uh, Triple H in the interview ring afterwards. It was all serious promo for Orton, disrespect towards the legend, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm battling through that because back to Keith Lee's Sheamus <laughs> in the ring. And, the, yeah, during the break, during Triple H's little promo, Keith Lee and Sheamus, they've, they've gone from Keith Lee kind of like laughing, but, you know, very clearly he remembered that tag there, to shoving each other. Like, I told you Keith wouldn't let that slide. The chipper tone having shifted during the break to a pure shoving contest. Like, come on then, mate. Like, come on. Come on, mate. And uh, the two big lads had their match. Uh, tossing each other from left to right. Over the barricade, what have you. The entire time, Geith, uh, Geith? <laughs> Keith goading Seamus into showing his toughness. He uh, got his request, but the Irishman was clearly like knackered as the match went on. Uh, unable to bring the fight to that level. And eventually, Lee, with a ring post damaged arm... Lifted Sharu up for the glory bomb, one-handed before powering him down for the win. And uh, after the match, a sweaty Seamus pushed away the handshake for a big old man hug. It's like, yay, a big old hug. Again, my British reaction. But it's in a pandemic. <laughs> Why are you hugging so... I mean, you've wrestled a match and you're super sweaty. Like, if it's happened, it's happened by now. <laughs> uh, similar notes to uh, the Drew story in this one. No, not the COVID thing, the actual like relationship with Seamus. Uh, but like, woo, like consistency in how the Irishman treats those he respects. So thumbs up there. It's not like in this story with Drew he did this and now he's in a different story. It's like, no, we've seen character consistency here with Seamus. Like, yeah, if he respects you, this is how he treats you. Uh, we'll say um, when I said that I, uh, Seamus wasn't able to fight back up, I'm not sure how definitely the story of the match that was. This It was either really good blowing of the night, lies or whatever, but uh, when Keith Lee went to launch Seamus over the barricade, it didn't, look, it didn't go quite right. And he had to, like, he landed on top of it, and he had to uh, then shove Seamus over the top. And after that, Seamus just looked groggy the entire time. Uh, but 
Uh, Sheamus gets super sweaty anyway, and this was the second match. So was he? Did he get a bit of a painful one, and he was just a bit groggy after that, or you know, well, he might have been selling really well. I don't know. The old wrestlers, they are mostly very good at it. <laughs> uh, after this, he went back to Drew McIntyre for his response to Goldberg, and uh, yeah, I, I like this promo. I thought he delivered it really well. Like the older man coming out to teach respect to a champion who didn't say the things the lessons were based on. Because that was one of the things that the fans were pointing out after Raw. It's like, well, Goldberg came out and he said this, but Drew hadn't done any of those things. And for Drew to call that out and say that, that's either really good hindsight writing, or as people called out, Builder said the wrong things, and this is you know, changing tax a little bit, or that, that that was a setup for this. Like Either way, um, yeah, the, we've seen the whole story. This was a nice second beat. Drew calling Bill's actions a disgrace to his legacy. And uh, after Bill laid his hands on him, Drew thinks it looks like it's Goldberg who needs a lesson in respect. With the whole don't meet your heroes thing. Because of course, get, putting Goldberg over as a legend before saying, but what you did has tarnished that legacy. But yeah, uh, really good promo from Drew. Um, it, for, hey, it's one of those things where, from WWE's past, I worry. Uh, like Goldberg gets himself a title match and it looks like, yeah, he's there to put the other guy over. Uh, then he wins. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Uh, we've got the Kevin Owens Goldberg one where it's clearly going to be Lesnar Goldberg, so I'm not including that one. But Fiend Goldberg last year has left a taste in the mouth. And if Goldberg is here to like pop a nice little start to the Royal Rumble, like, I'm fine with this being a match at the Rumble. Like, that's perfectly fine with me. Just like I had no issue with the Fiend versus Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. The issue was he won. Like, if it's a special show like this, like, yeah, it's fine. But if Goldberg actually wins the title, like, Drew McIntyre beating Goldberg would give Drew a nice, awesome amount of momentum. But Goldberg last year, <laughs> politically, 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 I can't really speak, yeah, politicising his way into getting a title match, uh, the backstage kind of antics, meaning, yeah, suddenly Saudi Arabia becomes champion. It's left a sour taste. So the fact they've booked him again in a title match after he proved, for me as a fan when I'm looking at it from the outside, proves he, like, why would he trust him after he screwed you last time? Yeah, but he pops a rating. I don't know if that's why he gets away with it or whatever. Uh, but yeah, um, it's Goldberg back. Yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> I don't mean, I mean, it's not for me and it's not for me. It works both ways, that sentence. Yeah, I understand I'm not the demo for this. I'm so, Again, I'm somebody who didn't start watching till 2005 or so. Uh, so I didn't watch Attitude Era. I have no nostalgia for it because I was a kid. I didn't watch it. Uh, yeah, I wasn't a teenager until the noughties. Yeah, like <laughs> it does. Well, shame on me for not being a part of the massive culture, especially when um, we see it in the comments on the Wrestling Headlines, Laws of Pain, uh, whatever you call it, website, and the amount of times whenever I say anything against WWE, it's like, oh, you should go back. Or you, you want this Attitude Era stuff. It's just so, yeah, it's all you want, isn't it? With this sitting in the basement, <laughs> doing that, fawning over the Attitude Era. It's like, I am one of those people <laughs> who can just, uh, just flat out say that I have no nostalgia for the Attitude Era and the per person I've come closest to in wrestling in terms of stuff they've said in promos and things to align it to would be when Cody was talking about he just wishes the Attitude Era would fade away, as in it would just go. And uh, for me, part of the problem is WWE haven't gotten over it. Still, that era is used to pop the ratings. And in 2021, it was over 20 years ago. Uh, yeah. And that we're getting to a point of celebrating 20th anniversary of the next the era afterwards. Uh, and it's still calling back stars from that era. I was like, look at them, come back. Yeah. But my generation isn't the one that would tune in on TV anyway. Uh, so I'm not the demo being gone for here. That's what I mean. So it's not for me. And it's also like, I'm not in the demo either. Uh, so they're going what they're, after what they're going after. Personally, if as long as they use him to put over the guy, that's been the biggest problem, is not moving on. If they use this to actually move on. <laughs> but you know, the next time the ratings go down, back they come. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, anyway, uh, after this, uh, Xavier Woods faced T-Bar. Uh, first off, <laughs> Matt, the state of your promo, T-Bar. Like, grr, growly, growly, baddie nonsense. Oh, I'm going to... Hurt you? <laughs> it's like, oh, the state of your promo. Uh, not again, not his fault. That's what he's told to do. Yeah, with Cove, uh, Dijak, amazing, amazing wrestler. I was perfectly fine with the promos in NXT. Uh, they weren't world-breaking, but they weren't this. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's better than this. Uh, and, like, he's an amazingly talented wrestler. But on the main roster, he's... Big, punchy, scary... Got red paint on my face. <laughs> I just don't. I've turned him into a pirate. It, no... In that T bar. Now stop getting him over. <laughs> no, it's not happening. 
Ah, oh, no. Anyway, uh, with Kofi at home, Xavier was out against Retribution all by himself. Uh, T-Bar, accompanied by the entire crew, would also say when they came back from break and Xavier was in the ring waiting by himself, hanging upside down, draped over the ring ropes, playing the trombone. As soon as I saw that, I was like, if there's a photo of that in, in high enough quality, 100% that is my focus point of the image <laughs> for the thumbnail of this. And thank God there was. Yeah, it needed me to rotate it weirdly to fit in. <laughs> I put a lot of effort to get Xavier Woods to fit into that image. Because <laughs> it's like, ugh, I need the fire stuff, but I'm, I'm not I'm not, not featuring Xavier. <laughs> that drip thing, 100% he's in that image. Uh, anyway, uh, Ali was on the outside coaching the big lad as he uh, wore down the smaller competitor. But it is retribution, so Woods' comeback was only a matter of time. Uh, after Xavier got on top with an awesome top one uh, drop kick that sent T-Bar flying to the outside, uh, the Retribution group caused a distraction to allow their man right back in and nail the inverted GTS for the win. Uh, Retribution actually won with a finishing move, not a roll-up, but like finishing move and all. Uh, good for them. I don't know if over those three weeks that's also happened, but I can say they were winning with roll-ups, <laughs> really. Like, it was a rare sight to see them hit a finisher, never mind win with it. But uh, I don't think they've hit a finisher without it being immediately after a distraction. So there is that. But there's the thing as well of Xavier Woods, even though he didn't have his teammates around him and showing like his weakness when up against a force like this when he's by himself. Uh, and like up against the odds. But he did have T-Bar's number and there was a reason Retribution jumped in. So yeah, Xavier Woods got to look strong before then up against the numbers game. Like It was fine. Retribution for me scream filler right now. Like lower mid-card fodder. Uh, but them actually getting a win, and uh, I don't know if it's because Rumble season, and uh, oh, T-Bar's big, so uh, you could paint that, and like, to be fair, you can pop the uh, nerdy NXT crowd uh, with, uh, I'm part of that, <laughs> with uh, Dominic Dijak coming out, I forgot his name, I've just been talking about it in T-Bar, T-Bar and Keith Lee, you can do that spot, you get your Dijak Keith Lee spot, pop the, pop the nerds, that's what I'd, uh, that's what I'd like to see, even if, it, you're just building up T-Bar this time of, oh, he's a big lad. We need a big lad in the Rumble to get eliminated. Ah, T-Bar will do. Because my prediction for Retribution is that the Rumble is when they really, truly feel like jobbers and their eliminations are used as you're the jobber group in this Rumble and out you go. Uh, that's my prediction. They get truly... All their momentum truly dies at this show. And for me, they're a faction that they were dead on arrival and they've... Stayed dead, <laughs> but they truly die at the Rumble in terms of like just perception and momentum. Like, no coming back after this <laughs> kind of stuff. That's my prediction. Prove me wrong is my type of thing there. Like, I don't want that to happen, obviously. I highly rate so much the talent, it's just I the, the gimmick is so bad. <laughs> like, Mercedes Martinez dodged a bullet. Look what she's doing now, challenging Eosha for the title. She got a refresh. She dodged a bullet with this. Uh, Randy Orton with Schreiber backstage. As I said, this will be Randy Orton. Uh, talking about who's really going to take down Triple H. Uh, just like with the other legends, he's going to do exactly that. And goodbye, Triple H. Uh, again, I wasn't massively into what either guy was saying. They didn't really sell me on the match. But the actual thing itself was unique enough that, yeah, I'll remember it. Uh, United States Championship, Bob Lee Lashers with MVP versus Matt Riddle. We got a full-on recap reminding us that Riddle tapped last week before the win that secured him his title match. Like, hey... We uh, we got the opening replayed, like the opening of to the actual show. We got that replayed in full like two or three times as well. And again, I'm a lot more forgiving in this COVID era with shows like being suddenly flipped on their heads thanks to outbreaks. And really, it's something we're even getting these shows like over in the UK. Yeah, WWE UK is the only wrestling to take place in getting close to a year. Uh, but we'll also add on top of that that. Uh, Really, when I when when they used to repeat the opening like three times when the show was ninety minutes and we weren't in COVID, it's like oh that's when it got a bit much. Like got pretty bad. Anyway, in the three hour period as well, it felt like they had to repeat it like twice every hour sometimes if it was like a big segment. And it's like oh like come on, we're not goldfish. Like this is bad bad levels of replays. <laughs> like now I'm more forgiving. Like yeah, I perfectly. Like, I totally understand you replaying this a bit more because you know, suddenly you've got all this time to feel like like last minute notice. However, back in the day, oh oh, it's painful sometimes. <laughs> in the PG era, they replayed the opening segment so much on every show. <laughs> I'm glad they've moved past that. Honestly, it's one of the tropes I'm really happy that has been dropped. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, even if it, well, even not fully dropped, but it's to a lesser degree. 
Uh, Lashers uh, lashed in on Riddle before the bell could ring, uh, beating the man down in the corner before going full pelt once the match was officially underway. Uh, Riddle getting his mouth busted open ended up really helping to sell the beating. Uh, the bro just surviving thanks to the ring post on the outside, sliding out of Lashers' grasp and pushing the big lad into it. Uh, this match was... I'd say it's like both smooth as hell as well as like rough in places, but for me the roughness to it really helped it. Uh, Riddle trying his best to amp back in as the uh, pre-match beating clearly had him against the odds. He tried to fly in with something from the second rope, rebounding off. Uh, Lashley caught him like unkillingly, like kind of semi-dropped in, before mightily powering him up for a slam right down to hell. Like honestly, for me, that move looks ten times more awesome with the catch not being perfect. Like, it was just kind of, he had to, like, re-hook him and then power him up from a lower position, so he looked ten times more powerful because of it. Uh, yeah, Lashley won. <laughs> he locked in the Hurt Lock immediately after, and Riddle tapped. But the pre-match beating was the thing that kind of sold it there. Riddle was always up against momentum, the odds, everything. And when he tried to fight back, he got mightily powered down. But yeah, uh, after that, Riddle ran in, uh, ran on MVP, saying well, that I wasn't able to beat the champion, but I sure as I can beat you, Porter. Uh, so, yeah, MVP runs in, and we got our third quick double duty on the of the night. Uh, like, again, COVID era. Honestly, didn't find it to be the worst thing in the world. Uh, with uh, Keithy Sheamus earlier, uh, Jeff Hardy, and now MVP. So yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world. Like for me, this, the worst thing of the past year was easily that era with Raw Underground over the summer, where we where it felt like there were just so many segments on the show. Uh, when we came back from break, MVP was on top laying in the fists, but Riddle eventually fought his way back in before Lashers flew with the mighty spear for the DQ. Uh, the Hurt Business teaching a lesson um, more than caring about the result. After the match, Porter delivered a stiff kick to Riddle's liver as he screamed in pain, and the Hurt Business smiled on the ramp. Uh, I guess like a cheeky grin. Not a cheeky grin. <laughs> That's not the right description. A menacing grin. It's like less, We've taught that lesson to him. Yeah, he'd received that, uh, or that felt good as well from MVP. Uh, yeah. yeah, a nice little bit after this. That's that for that one. I've not really got much to say on uh, Riddle's stuff there. Uh, Hurt Business got the beating on him, and yeah, Wrestling Booking 101. Riddle's now got a mountain to... He's, he's been presented with the mountain to climb. He's now got to climb it, and he's like, he's toward, like at the foot of that mountain now, having been kicked in the liver. That mountain's kicked his ass. Now he's got to conquer it. Yeah. They've set it up really well. Her business feel of all it, their booking's been really, really well done. Uh, and this kind of establishes them within the story as the mountain to get conquered. And just in time for the rumble for Riddle to have like beef with those guys as well. Uh, anyway, after that, Styles and Adam Pearce really enjoyed this little backstage segment. They were projecting the scenario of the two of them possibly facing at WrestleMania. Once I cut it on to that's what they were doing. <laughs> like, oh, yes. Uh, I really like what AJ was hitting out there. Uh, this is just like a comedic backstage segment where... Like both of them in the know, they're clearly not going to be winning either of their matches. But just proclaiming, just getting that scenario out there. Uh, Drew Gulak hilariously attempted to enter himself, just like the other wrestlers did. He's like walking out, going, "I declare myself for the Royal Rumble," uh, and just poking holes into how like, how it actually works. Uh, also audaciously asking for number thirty. Obviously not going to happen. Uh, Pierce had none of it and was telling him like, "Right, go on then, prove yourself and beat AJ Styles. Then, then he could maybe be in." Uh, Drew putting a uh-oh <laughs> kind of face after he saw Omos was also there. Uh, so this then led into the match. Uh, no entrance for Drew. Immediately don't like his chances, if you didn't like them beforehand. Uh, I, I just but uh, Gulak did get to show off a bit in the match. Like AJ helping him come across as like no, not a total loser before pinning him. But the man who became a 24-7 chap in 2020 did come close to snatching the win a couple of occasions before AJ switched on. Uh, obviously, the big moment, quite literally, being the look how tall Omos is. A spot with Drew on the outside. A big boot appeared in front of him as he lay there. As the camera then panned, looking up from the ground. Did you know Omos is very tall? <laughs> Rolled back into the ring by AJ. Gulak ate the Styles Clash and, well, doesn't look like he's number 30. Uh, oh well. He gave it a good shot, Gulak. So yeah, once again getting over Omos and AJ's uh, partnership and, uh, yeah... Gulak uh, gets to be made. This is the best Gulak has felt since his stuff with Daniel Bryan this time last year, right before the pandemic shut everything down. It's weird to think that this time last year still had crowds. It's a bit, a bit strange. 
we got a quick Goldberg video package before going into the official match graphic. A quick note on that, I'm really high on the comic book graphics this year. Uh, the match card promos look really stylized and unique thanks to it. And like they've all they've gone all in on it. Like they've not done it like just for the poster or like the background stylings or anything. Like the wrestlers themselves are also within that style, so the whole card looks unique. Yeah, yeah, massive fan of that. And that leads us into the final segment I have to talk about. So I'll have a quick sip of my cold tea. Mmm, horrible, but I need it for the soothe throat. <laughs> uh, Nia, it's my fault for going all in on the voices. <laughs> uh, have I learnt my lesson? Probably not. Uh, Nia and Shayna versus Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. The competitors walking out with like 15 minutes left on the show. It's like, well, something's going to happen shenanigan-wise in one of these matches. We found out which one it was. Uh, the picture-in-picture -picture promo for the goodies had them declaring themselves for the Rumble. Like, I would go like, really? Right after the last match with Gulak? <laughs> but uh, the women's division's like too shallow to put out a full Rumble anyway. So like, it's not really the same, is it? Like... More procedure to announce yourself when you're all guaranteed spots, <laughs> I guess. Uh, Mandy Rose in the match itself ran riot over all after the hot tag, it taking Jax pulling her out of the ring to put a stop to the momentum. Jackson Baszler looking like the teamwork would swing it, but uh, Shayna tagged herself in instead of allowing Nye to jump off Brett's rope and submitted Mandy in quick fashion with all the damage done. Like, yeah, it's rumble season, baby. You gotta, gotta build the tension between the tag team. Like, uh, like, Naya clearly not looking happy. Got to build to that partner, eliminating partner. Uh, we'll say, although there wasn't that much of a celebration as they looked a tad concerned for either Mandy or Dana. Like, it was off camera, but whatever what was happening was getting their reactions. Like, their reactions were stalled by something off camera. Yeah, maybe, I don't know if anything happened. I've not seen any reports on it. Uh, but in the moment, they were clearly distracted by something. That said, uh, it was a yeah, decent, decent match. Got over Mandy as uh, like a force to like keep an eye on. Uh, Dana took a lot of the offense. Uh, yeah, Mandy Rose got to look really strong, and they got the tensions between Nia and Shayna, uh, both of whom looked strong when the momentum was with them. So yes, yeah, they've both been like I guess positioned as like big deals for the Rumble, but you're expecting them to cost each other the match. That's my that's my massive expectation. Obviously, I say expectations; they're foreshadowing it. <laughs> it's not like, oh my god this is so predictable it's like no they're, they're foreshadowing something happening yeah that's the story they're telling it's just <laughs> this is like act one the tensions start to be there you would you give the reasons to show beforehand you give them the reasons why they would pissed off and act like that you don't do it as oh surprise out of nowhere with nothing built up for it like no they're putting the work in <laughs> so kudos to that anyway that is the end of this week's raw review I'm going to be going to this thing called bed. I desperately need it. Uh, I will... Uh, thank you for listening, watching, uh, subscribing, uh, five-starring on the iTunes thing, clicking the emoji on the website, whatever you do. And uh, follow, you can follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicats. Damn and damn. I banged on about my Twitch, didn't give the channel name. It's the implications for the second S. Uh, but yes, yeah, so like, anybody listens, uh, likes, whatever, what have you, like, means a lot. Like, massive, massive thank you. I was in a unique mood because uh, before I came onto this, I was uh, listening to the New Day podcast on uh, Luke Harper slash Brody Lee. Uh, so yeah, I'm just in a weird mood to like just say thank you, really, like to everybody. Like uh, I don't really, I don't think I say it enough, really. The fact that for some reason people listen, and I don't sit here with like zero <laughs> views every week or like under ten. Like the fact that I do actually get people, it's. Yeah, I don't take that for granted. I don't know. I feel like I want to say that, really. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, you can find me on all different channels. And uh, with that, I'll sign off now. <laughs> so, yeah. What did you make of Monday Night Raw? What did you make of the fireball? It seems to have split opinion. But for me, it's right in there with the same criticism as the Ray White, the Fiend stuff. Like, the people who loved the previous stuff loved this one just as much. People who hated the previous stuff hated it just as much. <laughs> Uh, and what is it with WWE and firing things into faces? Like Vincent Eyes, <laughs> what has this past year been? Why has he got this random fixation <laughs> on damaging faces and eyes? Uh, and currently fire. I mean, it links to the Inferno match. I know, it's fine. Uh, anyway, with that, I say thank you for listening, watching, liking, subscribing, clicking the bell, uh, five-starring on iTunes, I think it would be. <laughs> or uh, you can five-star on the Wrestling Headlines website, but, you know... Uh, yeah, it doesn't help us as much as the podcast. You can donate to uh, NOP Radio via Red Circle currently. There's no uh, like more 
easier way. But yeah, you can donate on Red Circle uh, directly to LP Radio. Uh, there's a link to LP Radio in the description. I still haven't put in the link for the uh, donate to page. I need to do that eventually. So anyway, thank you for all the stuff. Uh, and with that, I'll see you on Thursday for the NXT review and the video deal. Adios. Ten.